Welcome to the Novant Health Inside Remarkable podcast, an inspiring glimpse at how 30,000 team members are building, creating, and delivering Remarkable every day. I'm Adam Kuntz. Today I'm so excited because we're hosting our first ever Novant Health Reads podcast. I have a few guests here with me I'd like to introduce and thank for joining us today. Dr. Ray Workman, Clinical Physician Executive and Vascular Surgeon, Joanne Henley, Director of Spiritual Care, Ann Smith, Director of Nursing, Novant Health Forsyth Medical Center, and Deb Love, Senior Director of Bioethics and Spiritual Care. Thank you all for being with us. I'm excited to hear your thoughts on this year's book, In Shock, My Journey from Death to Recovery and the Redemptive Power of Hope by Dr. Rana Oddish. To get started, I'd love to hear some initial thoughts. Deb, why don't you start by telling us what led to this book being chosen by the steering committee? Thanks, Adam. Um, I think when we read this book, the connection between InShock and all the work that we're doing on the patient experience really stood out to us. And it, it just seems like if, if Dr. Oddish, who is a physician, she's an intensive care physician, could feel so vulnerable as a patient, it really encouraged us to think how vulnerable must all of our patients feel when, when they really don't understand as much about healthcare as she does, and, and hopefully help us step into to the shoes of, of that vulnerable patient. Well, certainly from, from my reading and some of the comments we've seen on articles on iConnect uh, and comments in other classes and sessions we've been in, it seems like this book has resonated with a lot of team members across Novant Health. I think so. We've had some great responses to the prompts we've put on iConnect, and, and I think it is touching people in that way. Yeah. And I'm curious, what were some of your initial reactions to the book? Well, this book I definitely connected with. It is, um, starts out at, with her being a patient, and she had a pregnancy complication at the time, what we think is a pregnancy complication, and being uh, with women's and children's my entire career, it immediately connected of, of her, her experience, how uh, in triage, how she was treated, uh, some of the communication with learners and, and team members, and how, um, as you know, Deb, really said well is that it just really ties into the patient experience and here's someone again an intensivist comes in has this serious complication and her baby dies and how the team members treated her and how there was so much opportunity some of it was oh I don't think that would ever happen uh, here yeah. um, and relief that I feel like we have practices and policies and protocols and team members to support her but then in the back of my mind could that and am I doing everything um, with my team to ensure that we have the skills, the support um, to make sure those kind of communications that really put her in, in a vulnerable area and was very negative at times? Um, and how can I ensure, from my perspective, that that would not happen at Infant Health Forsyth Medical Center in the birthing center? Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I um, recognize that her experience is a unique experience and she has some very serious things go wrong and um, a pretty winding path as you listen to it uh, in the book um, and and I think we can take from that and recognize that each of our patients 
has a unique experience that's certainly meaningful and impactful to them, even if it's not as um, book-worthy, perhaps, as, as Dr. Audish's is. Well, I'd like to, to dive a little deeper and maybe look at some specific aspects of the book. Ray, is there a particular excerpt from the book that stands out to you? Yeah, there's a section where she talks about um, provider grief and really focuses on how many providers in their training are actually encouraged to push that grief away and to push it down and not respond to it. And she spends several pages talking about, you know, how this is commonplace in the training of our providers, but that even though they don't express that grief at the time, it often bubbles back up in, in negative ways, be it alcohol, drugs, provider burnout, or even suicide. And so uh, that really struck me um, as an area that I think we could focus more on. Yeah, as, as you talk about that, that excerpt, it, it sounds like it's, it's more than just a powerful passage from a book to you. Uh, it, it seems like there's some personal connection to that as well. I wonder if you could share a little bit from your personal experience. Yeah, I, I think all providers have gone through loss um, in the facility, in the emergency room. Um, just recently, I had a patient die in the operating room, very unexpectedly, not a patient I had a long-term relationship with. And when I talked with the family afterwards, you know, one of my roles was to console them. Uh, the chaplain came and consoled them. But the next day, I kind of stepped back and thought, you know, who's, who's consoling me? And this excerpt from the book really came back to light to think, you know, we, we don't do a very good job addressing provider grief, uh, really anywhere that I've worked. I don't think this is unique to Novant Health. Um, and so jo Joanne and I are now doing some work to start addressing that. Yeah, that's great news. I'm glad to hear that. I know um, in prep for this, you and I were talking a little bit about this and you, and you talk about the provider grief and also that it's not just provider grief, but, but team member grief, that, that everyone on the team experiences this. Um, and I'm curious from a nursing perspective, you know, how, how does that concept of grief and how we handle our emotions um, present itself in the nursing perspective? I, I totally agree. It's very similar to what providers go through where we are there for the patient and the family and for their loved ones. When we lose a patient, it's, it's a lot of times we've spent a lot of time with them and maybe took care of that patient for weeks, that baby for months, and that connection um, really is strong. So when that family experiences the loss, that nurse is feeling the loss as well. And we certainly do surround that family with all kinds of support from spiritual support, from our chaplains, to um, getting the, the entire team around them and uh, providing a safe space for them to grieve um, for their child or for that patient. And um, then the nurse um, may just needs to come back to work and continue mm -hmm. to care. Perhaps she has two more patients um, that she has to care for. It depends on the, the setting, maybe four more patients and must maintain her, though she's gone through this very sad event, jump right back in and, and have to be able to, to care. So they do build this wall because they do have to sustain and move through the rest of their day. I do think we are trying to um, work with a chaplain to provide support for Novant employees today 
with things like Code Lavender and um, leadership we're trying to support to make sure that they're thinking of those things because it is devastating when you lose a patient, uh, even if it's for a short period of time because that's a human being that you interacted with and their family. So more work definitely needs to go and but the same kind of things and the same kind of stress that nurses um, that physicians go through, nurses also do. And we have the same issue with substance hmm. um, use disorder um, to, um, you know, bearing all those feelings that may come out later to burnout then. And that's very concerning um, today with nursing and the nursing shortage, how that we have to surround the team members just like we do the families and patients. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think both of you really touched on the importance of, of support for our team members because uh, often in healthcare, th there is no pause, uh, as you kind of indicated, and we, we, we're expected to keep going and keep moving on. So, you, you both talked about aspects of um, grief as it pertains to, to team members losing a patient, um, but sometimes the grief that we experience is, is the grief of our own, a little more personal to us, a, a family member or a friend. Um, and, and that had me thinking, Deb, back to the, the story you shared with me a couple of weeks ago. Um, about your visit with your friend, and yeah. I wonder if you'd share it with our listeners. Okay, thanks. I'd be happy to. So um, I was um, sitting at home on a Saturday morning and got a text from the daughter of a longtime friend of mine who had been struggling with um, Parkinson's disease for many years. And the text said, she's taken a turn for the worse, um, wanted you to have an opportunity to come and say goodbye, but want you to know that she's not gonna know that you're here, so don't feel like you have to. So I immediately jumped in the car and drove up to Charlottesville to see my friend, and all the way there, what was going through my head was the phrase from the book where Rana says, you know, while she's in the ICU and deeply unconscious, she hears them saying, um, she's trying to die on us. <laughs> and Rana's saying, no, 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 I'm not trying to die. And so I went up there with the idea that I'm gonna have a conversation with my friend. This isn't just me talking at her. I'm gonna be somehow in conversation with her. Um, I was very fortunate that while she was really pretty well sedated that I actually was able to have a conversation. I actually had some words from her, some words of reassurance, and I had the sense that when I was telling her, you know, what she'd meant to me in my life and thanking her for that and um, just sharing those final moments that she really did hear me and was present. So I was deeply grateful for that, that awareness in, in the book. Thank you for sharing that. That that quote you mentioned from the book is certainly one that etched itself on my mind and has altered um, my thinking when I'm rounding or, or visiting you know, at the hospital. Um, and, and certainly your, your story of closure with your friend um, is a touching one. So thank you um, for sharing it with us. Throughout the book, Dr. Otis shares several interactions she has um, as a patient with members of her family and friends as well as colleagues uh, and members of the care team. And as I was thinking about that, uh, Joanne, in prep for this conversation, you and I were talking a little bit about the ring theory that, that she mentions. Uh, I wonder if you'd talk a little bit about that. 
So the ring theory, um, she describes as etiquette for when um, when some something is happening, has something something serious has happened to an individual, they find themselves um, in a particularly vulnerable place, as she was as a patient. And so if you imagine her in that center of uh, a set of concentric circles with her family in the next circle out and her care team, community, um, in subsequent circles out, what she shares is that um, we comfort in, we offer comfort toward the person who's most vulnerable, and the person who's most vulnerable um, is the one who gets to share and process and potentially complain also out. So the way she puts it is dump, uh, dump out and comfort in. Hmm. So as you, I hear you describing that, and, and certainly we, we talk a lot about keeping our patient at the center of everything we do. So I, I can I can visualize that, and the rings going out with the care team, you know, family and friends first, and then the care team, uh, and then based on the rest of our conversation, conversation, perhaps other members of the care team and the supporters of the care team even further throughout that. And so I, I think I understand the concept that that we offer comfort or support inward from the outer rings in and then can dump or vent as you kind of said um, outward and so theoretically I, I think that makes sense to me uh, and I'm guessing that in real life it's not always um, necessarily that easy so I wonder if maybe you can speak to perhaps a real life story or personal experience that may help illustrate that. Sure a couple of things come to mind actually out of the conversation we're having and some of the stories that we have just heard, um, I think when we experience grief as professionals, one way that I see this ring theory applied is that we don't share that grief in towards a patient. So if there's a loss and you have to go on continuing to care for a patient, you're, you might carry that with you inward, but you're not gonna speak that outward and kind of offer that to someone else. Thank you, I think that helps. I just wanted to add that when I think back to that part of the story in the book, I think she's also illustrating how caregivers can sometimes dump on the patient. You know, they kind of get burnt out. And I think it's important for us as we interact with people who are caregiving at the bedside to realize that we, we have to support them as well, not just our patients. You know, it's the whole family that's part of that support we offer and and how are ways that we can help that help support that caregiver so the caregiver isn't dumping back on the patient yeah yeah i agree and you know from from earlier in the conversation i certainly think we recognize that we, we have some strong support options you know for patients and families and team members with our spiritual care team uh, and with other colleagues and peers and supporting that across and, and our leadership team uh, and certainly EAP and, and you mentioned Code Lavender you know, and, and several options. So we're certainly doing a lot here at Novant Health to support team members. Uh, and I think based on the conversation today, we recognize that um, there's never a shortage of emotion uh, in dealing in working in healthcare. And so we need to continue to explore ways to add even more layers of support uh, for our team members that are here. Well, I appreciate each of you um, sharing 
kind of from some of your personal experiences and how they connect with the book. Um, with, with the rest of our time, I want to shift gears a little bit um, and look at the book through a more system perspective kind of lens. Uh, and so certainly to, to start that off, Joanne, I'm curious, how do you see InShot connecting with our mission, vision, and values? Well, at the core of, um, of those mission, vision, and values are compassion and courage. So to me, being fully present with another requires compassion and courage. It requires us to lean in and set aside our agenda and our assumptions, listening really carefully for the values, beliefs, strengths, and needs of the person across from us. Um, it requires us to work as a team because people bring us needs far greater than any one of us can respond to individually. When we pause and lean in, even briefly, even in extremely hard and sad moments, we build connection. And this, this sense of connection is so um, just rooted in our, our value around building authentic relationships. Um, it's at the heart of the remarkable patient experience, how we're able to connect with people. And building authentic connections is at the core of health and well-being not only for individuals, but for communities and even for organizations. Thank you, that's, uh, that's, that's beautifully said um, and a little tough to follow. So I'm gonna let Ray follow instead. Uh, Ray, uh, I'm curious, what impact would you hope to see in shock having on our system by it being our 2019 Nova Health Reads book? Yeah, I think for me, um, what I really hope is that people that read the book and really people across the system even that don't read the book will never forget how difficult it is to be a patient. Um, that's what I really took away. If somebody like Dr. Aldish, who's very well educated, very conscious of how the system works, struggled so much through all that she went through, just imagine how it is for our patients who are sort of healthcare naive uh, how difficult it is for them to navigate our system. And I think we all approach our work with a certain amount of ease. We become comfortable with what we do. It's just a job. And oftentimes I think we forget about how really difficult it is to be a patient. Um, I think there's nothing better for any provider, regardless of what your role is on the team, I think there's nothing better than to be a patient yourself at some point. And I think that's one thing that she really points out that she learned so much from being a patient despite all of her medical training. Um, and I think that the book really helps, at least helps me refocus on that for our patients. Yeah, I think um, it can be really easy in today's healthcare environment for the day to get pretty chaotic. Um, and and we're struggling just to even keep up with what, what we're trying to do. Uh, and the, the power of that pause that I think you speak to of, of taking a minute to just consider what it's like for the other side um, can have a tremendous impact on the system. Deb, I know you also had some thoughts about some of the challenges that, that our patients face when they come into the healthcare system. I wonder if you'll share a little bit of that with us. Yeah, I think one of the parts of the book that also sticks with me is where she comes in and is in a great deal of pain and is is really interrogated about her pain management and is is not believed when she's I mean, here's a woman with an incredibly high pain tolerance and 
she's in essence being accused of being an opioid an opiate user and i think it it just reminds us that we we really have to be careful about the biases that we bring about and i and i hope that this book reminds us to step back look at those biases and and try and as you say joanne meet them with a more fresh listening caring approach um, so it really ties in i guess in that way to our uh, diversity and inclusion work and hearing deb talk about biases and, and the value of our our work around diversity and inclusion um, just made me think about the excerpt that you shared when we were talking earlier um, i wonder if you'd share it with our listeners and and why it was so impactful for you yeah, one of the excerpts in the book um, described a, a neonatal nurse who came in after she lost her baby who um, wanted to describe the whole essence of the delivery of that baby, what the baby did, um, and that she felt it was very important to, for her to hold the baby. And this was her chance and only chance to hold her child that she never ex you know, had experienced before. And she, even to the point of saying, well, do you realize if, you know, you don't do that now, the baby will be down in the morgue and the baby will start to decompose and then it'll be even worse if you change your mind. And really putting guilt on her. So this NICU nurse, we're trained uh, in women's that one of the best way to cope with loss and to say goodbye to your child is to hold your baby and have that experience with your family. And that's part of our bereavement program. We stress that to our team members, but really um, that was that nurse's bias. She thought every mom should do that, but really we need to know that patient. This was a healthcare provider who felt she had grieved in a different way for her child. That was not, she felt was not important to her right now and that this was really not meant to, to really help her, but this was actually making the situation worse. So for us to come in with that bias that we think we know best, mm. For that patient, we need to listen to them, understand where they're coming from, and let that be their choice and not put our own biases on. And that's what this NICU nurse did. So it really brought to my mind to make sure my team members understand that because every grieving experience and bereavement um, for a family is different. So let's know them, let's use our diversity and inclusion principles to make sure um, we're giving them choices and respect it when they choose to do maybe something different than what we think is best. Yeah, well, I think we, we do all have expectations and experience that we that we base this on and and I think I've heard a couple of times throughout the day today the the importance of leaning in, meeting the patient where they are and understanding who they are as a person and what they bring to the experience. And I, I appreciate all of you um, taking part in such a great conversation uh, so far. And as we near the end of our time, I wonder what last thoughts uh, you might have that you want to share with listeners. Probably the quote that sticks with me the most ever since the first time reading the book, and I've read it and listened to it now, um, is near the end when she describes um, coming to the realization that being fully present with her patients is, um, is enough, perhaps, that it's one of the ways that suffering is, um, is transformed. And it comes in how she's processing the experience of loss or what it feels like to be a physician and have a patient die and the sense of failure that can come with that. 
Um, for me, it connects so deeply to spiritual care and what we offer in spiritual care, but also what we're able to offer all of us in the way that we are fully present with people in moments of suffering. And in that way, each of us carry the capacity to, to touch the human spirit that the people we in our care bring to us. Um, and so that that for me is probably the line that sticks with me from the entire book is her recognition of of being fully present in suffering for transformative power. I appreciate that. And as, as you're talking about the power of presence, it makes me think uh, back to several sessions of Mastering Conversations That Matter that we've led when we ask people to tell us what they've heard about themselves at their best and how they show up. And the number of times that we hear people say, well, I didn't do anything special. I was just me or I was just there. Um, and perhaps not realizing that, that, as you point out, that perhaps the most valuable tool we bring into the, to the patient experience is our authentic and present selves to, to be with them. So I appreciate that. Yeah, I just, uh, I like the buzz that this book has created across the organization. You know, we've read some good books over the last several years, but this really ties into a lot of the things that we're already doing and I think has sparked some conversation for some things that we can work on. Um, and it really kind of goes back to our promise about, you know, caring for each other and caring for our patients. And so I think that uh, that ties in really nicely uh, to a lot of the themes in the book. So I'm, I'm excited about the buzz that this has created and look forward to where it's going to take us. Absolutely. Um, I just want to remind people that we have a couple of Zoom book discussions coming up in the near future. If you haven't yet met Angela Yoakum, it's a great opportunity to interact with her on uh, Wednesday, September 25th. Jeff Lindsay's leading a session in the morning on uh, September 26th. The first time we've done these Zoom book discussions, and it's um, sort of an exciting way to use the technology, so great way to interact with our senior leaders. And lastly, as we, we kind of wrap up, I'm curious, um, for those of our listeners who might not have read the book yet, um, what would you say to, to those listeners? I would say definitely read the book. And so many components, as we've talked about today, you're going to connect with as a provider, as a caregiver, and as being a patient and a family uh, member um, who has a patient um, that a family member who's sick. So I think it's a fast read. It's an easy read too. So I encourage you to go ahead and, and get it from your leader and begin the journey of her story. Great. I certainly want to thank all four of you for being with us today. Um, this, was a, this was a great discussion. Uh, and to you listeners, thank you for joining us for this episode of Novant Health Inside Remarkable. Don't forget to register for Dr. Rana Oddish's talk on October 2nd at noon at Novant Health Forsyth Medical Center. Look for more details on iConnect.